Hi, and welcome to Life Beyond Thinking. My name's Robert Pinto, and I'm the author and creator of Life Beyond Thinking. This week, we're joined by Cece Consalvo. She was a celebrity chef, a health chef to the stars, to some of the world's most famous rock stars, actors, musicians, and artists in Los Angeles. And now she's solely focused on being a food coach. And that is about helping people overcoming their fear of food and cooking for themselves, getting us back into the kitchen, eating, doesn't matter what you have, you can cook in your kitchen. I think we've become so afraid of it and we're so afraid of food and different ingredients and messaging. It's become, food confusion has become a huge issue. And so she's got this amazing program that gets us back into the kitchen. So join us for this conversation. We touch on her where her passion and her deep love for cooking and care came from. It's quite a compelling story. And then we do get into the mechanics of practical tips and a lot of the psychology and just some very day-to-day tips that you can do to start to get back into your body, back into food and back into your kitchen. So if you listen right to the end, um, she's also given us a tremendous discount, 50% off her course. If you listen all the way to the end, I'll give you that discount code. Thanks very much for joining us and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Life Beyond Thinking. My name is Rob DePinto, and I'm the author and founder of Life Beyond Thinking. And today we have our guest, Cece Consalvo, who is a rapper, artist, chef to the stars, and uh, a health chef to the stars, I should say and now food coach. And uh, she's got an amazing program talking about food and your kitchen. And it's directly related to not just our physical health, but it, um, you know, our mental health and our well-being. Cece, welcome. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for having me. I think you've listed every title I've ever had. So I appreciate that. It's such a pleasure to talk with you today. I'm a big fan of yours. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Um, so I guess to kick things off, just, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about your backstory and sort of what got you into food. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it, it's quite a journey as most, most of us, uh, you know, have. And I would say my initial exposure to food as being this sort of powerful self-love tool, if you will, that I uh, sort of reference Um When I was about 14, my mother was diagnosed uh, with a terminal illness. And one of the things the doctors mentioned was, you know, if she changed her diet a certain way, it could shift things for her. And I sort of took that as a sort of soundbite and I ran with it and I just, um, just really got really deeply into cooking meals for her. I mean, you know, when you're a kid, you want to save your mom, you know what I mean? That was amazing. So, so that was my first sort of exposure and, and having that, um, you know, it went really well. We wound up extending her life far beyond what doctors um, had predicted. And the only thing they could really point it to was the food that we were preparing. And I'll tell you what, Rob, it was just about simplicity, you know, eating what's in season and cooking with an intention, right? To to sort of um, take ingredients and and combine them in such a way, but but having sort of a loving awareness of this act um, without getting too you know airy fairy about it, but it really does make a difference. So 
that was my first sort of exposure to it. And I think when you're young and you see something like that and the power that it has to change the course of something, it stays with you. And so then I just sort of decided um, I'm going to eat this way. I feel better when I do. I look better. I perform better. And so, you know, I, everybody thinks that they're the ones um, that everyone is doing what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? Like it never occurred to me that no one else sort of cared about what was in season or to um, to eat in such a way that where, where food was really popping and, and, and fresh and, um, you know, have, having a lot of chi and Chinese medicine, you know, they, they talk a lot about food having energy. So that was just something that I just had decided, hey, you know, it worked for my mom. I'm going to, this is just going to be my life. And so you know, just kind of moved on and, and throughout growing up. Um, I know you mentioned the rapping, which is kind of funny. We all have many lives, right? Um, in my 20s, I was in the music business, which was amazing. Uh, record deals, things like that, which took me out to L.A. That's cool. Yeah. And so when I got to L.A., I um, got a little deeper into the music business and just sort of found that uh, – I wasn't quite sure from a holistic perspective that, that it was the right thing for me. And I kind of, I didn't dive in the way um, some artists in the nineties did. And I just kind of took a step back and I started to really embrace food again. It just kept coming up over and over this, this drive toward uh, cooking. And um, someone said to me, you know, you're in the perfect town to become a personal chef. And I said, oh, okay. You know what? That really resonates with me. There's something in my soul and my heart that's calling me. And so I left the music business and got into chefing. And um, as anything else in LA, if you do it right for one person, they will tell everyone. And I got really, really lucky. Um, I believe my first celebrity, which, which was really, you know, I mean, look, I cook because I want to affect people's lives. The fact that they have, uh, you know, they're a celebrity or that they're a big wig in LA, that that's just like, um, the icing on the cake. So, um, so that sort of catapulted me into this sort of, um, place of being the clean chef. And so nutritionists and doctors would call me and say, Hey, listen, my client can't eat these 42 ingredients. Can you step in and help them with food? Or maybe someone else was diagnosed with, a particular dis-ease and, and they needed to eat a certain way to, to try to reverse that. And uh, really successful stories, you know, when I look back about people who felt sort of doomed and just decided almost as a last ditch effort to, to change what they were eating and wound up reversing things and healing. You know, there's a reason that the word health has the word heal within it. You know, um, it, that's that's always been something sort of powerful to me. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I did that for, gosh, about 20, 25 years and uh, decided to go to school for holistic nutrition and um, got really into that for a while. And uh, just, you know, the food coaching was kind of born. It, it's really interesting during COVID and when things shut down, I, I found myself so just coaching people doing everything but the actual cooking like hey 
buy these ingredients, make a list. Here's how to do a meal plan. And, you know, just sort of cheering people on and watching them transform and realizing that cooking is not this daunting thing that we we've been sort of programmed to think it is. Um, I mean, eating out is amazing. It's, it's a, it's wonderful. You know, there's some amazing chefs out there and artists and, um, so cooking should be complementary to, to that as well. You know, it shouldn't just be one or the other. And I think, uh, and you'll, you'll interrupt me, Rob, if I'm going on too much, I'm a little, no, no, no. I'm, um, I'm, um, it's fantastic. It's a great intro. Cause there's, I do want to go back and revisit a lot of these things. So, sorry, mm -hmm. I haven't just left you on the hook there. I, I just wanted to kind of hear the story end to end and, and particularly, obviously we're going to dive into the, you know, what's happening now particularly in the mm -hmm. world with COVID and people being in their houses more and not knowing probably what to do in their kitchens mm -hmm. um so they're still probably eating out more and they're probably not the healthiest choices for a lot of people and I saw a stat um recently I don't know I didn't unfortunately see the I heard a stat so I didn't see the amount of <clears throat> the extent of the survey but it was said the average American put on Americans put on, on average, 30 pounds through COVID. Yeah. That's on yeah. average. So I know some people definitely got fitter, but that means a lot of people got a lot more unhealthy through COVID. And, yes. you know, and that's just pure the food we're putting in our bodies. Yes. Um, so I want to come back to that, but I want to go right back to something you said at the beginning, and, and I don't want to get off track too much, but... Um, I do find it fascinating because, I mean, my story, just for everyone out there, you know, with food is, you know, I was a really fat kid. I was really overweight. I was constantly teased and tormented for my weight. Um, and then even within the household, you know, a, you know, a biggish family of, you know, three older brothers and, you know, plus the friends and relatives. So food became a thing that I was hyper conscious of. Like every time I'd put food in my mouth, it'd be like, oh, am I going to get bullied for this? Am I going to get tormented for this? Is this going to make me fat? And then mm. growing up, like all the diseases and, you know, the fear is like, is this going to kill me? Is that going to kill me? Like it just became, it really had a huge impact on my life that I didn't realize until much later. And I lost all the weight, you know, in high school and sort of, a late bloomer, so to speak, but it, I think I had a very unhealthy relationship with food my whole life. Um, even though I've been an athlete and been fit, ironically, many athletes do have a bad relationship with food. Um, yeah. But we can dig into that later. So this food thing, the point is the food is a very, very important topic to me as is health and weight and the whole bullying thing. Um, but I do want to take a step back in your story, just something that I find fascinating there's two things from the very early days, um, apart from, you know, I'm sorry about your mother and, you know, having that burden as a young child or taking that on because you want to save your mother. But it's interesting that doctors then talked about food, yet doctors mm -hmm. now don't talk about food so much. <laughs> no. You know, it's, the fact it's, that they suggested that back then, I think yes. it's really interesting. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for for pointing that out, Rob. I appreciate what you're saying so much. Um, yeah, it's interesting, the wording, I'll always remember it because it was sort of uh, uh, early, mid 80s, right? Where 
I, I was sort of pushing, you know, the family was pushing like, hey, docs, what can we do? This can't just be it. You know, like we were just sort of pushing for more. Um, and I don't know if the doctor just took mercy on me and said, you know what, you could try to reduce, uh, reduce, um, what did he call it? Um, processed foods. That's exactly specifically what he said. And I remember back then thinking, gosh, what are processed foods? And I looked in the fridge and I'm like, there's the cheese, there's these things, these products that were processed. And had my mother not gotten ill, I don't think we would have thought twice about them. They were just the food products in our fridge, right? These um, things. So it, it, it caused me to re-examine these ingredients and things like processed oils. And, and it, you look a little closer and this cheese, this block of cheese, you know, in the mid eighties, it was not actually cheese. It was more oils that were whipped up into some kind of cheese like thing. So that oh um, just gives me shivers like, and, yeah. cause it's funny. I just bought a block of cheese and I don't eat that much cheese normally. I mean, when I was in Italy, yes, I'd buy some really high quality, I mean, you know, great, legit yeah. cheese. It was incredible. And then where I am, I don't have access to that at the moment. Mm. And I just bought whatever I could. And right. it reminds me of cheese from childhood. And it's probably that cheaper, whipped up, combined concoction of things that might not really be that much actual cheese. And it just made shivers down my spine as you said that. I'm like, oh. Oh, wow. That's so wild. But yeah, like I said, you don't, it's interesting how life will bring these things up for you to just sort of pay a little bit closer attention to them. And uh, so, so yeah, that was kind of, um, it, it, and, and you're right about doctors today. You know, it's interesting to look back over the last couple of years. And let me just preface by saying, you know, this is not a, a dig at doctors by any means. I, it's just something that I've noticed in the work that I do, which is a food coach alongside of my clients. And nine times out of 10, they are dealing with doctors on a daily basis. And that's why I'm on the team to help shift things for them and, and heal them. So um, there, there isn't a lot of, uh, generally speaking, talk about diet. Doctors are trained to treat symptoms versus the system. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong there. It just happens to be a fact. That's just where we are as far as in the United States is concerned. So, you know, it kind of forces us to dig a little deeper and, uh, you know, you could look at it a couple ways. You could look at it as, um, I'm the victim of this system, or you could flip it around and go, you know what, I'm going to to make an effort and take a step up and sort of co-doctor myself and try to find um, some alternatives and, and and dig a little deeper to see what might fit better. Because yeah. if it's really just the uh, the choice between being very fearful and, and uh, hoping you never get diagnosed with something, and then when you do, that's it. You know, it, it, I don't think it has to be that black and white. And in my experience, it's not, we have so much power and when we go back to the food thing and like what you talked about, there is so much power in um, preparing food and, and having food be preventative medicine versus just uh, fuel, you know? Um, yeah. 
it's uh, it's so true. I mean, it's so interesting what you said. The doctor said back then. Like, I'm just going to jump around a bit because I think there's some really Please. interesting points you brought up. Sure. Um, when I was doing a lot of triathlon training, and by the stage I was already really fit, and I changed coaches. I got a new coach, and and this guy was probably 10 years older than me. He was probably in his 50s, maybe at the time. Actually, he was more than 10 years older than me. I was in my late 30s. And uh, and he was, you know, he looked better than everyone. He was just radiant health. He was, an, you know, incredible athlete. Yeah. Um, and so it was this new coach and I'm all excited and, you know, we're training really hard. And I sort of finally got to this nutrition conversation with him and I said, you know, like, tell me the secrets, you know, what's your kind of secret nu nutrition plan? What's the edge I'm going to get there? And mm -hmm. his answer was, and this is legit serious, he was like, Try not to eat anything out of a packet. Mm, and, and that was it. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, just don't try not to eat anything out of a packet. You know, and he, he got into more specifics, but really that was the bottom line. And there were, you know, obviously protocols for training and racing and different things, but in mm. a general health sense, that's, that was his approach. And um, and doctors okay. today, I mean, I forget what the stat, it's like two to four hours, I think, an entire doctor's training at medical school is dedicated to nutrition. Okay. And there's a couple of doctors. One is um, the guy that runs nutritionfacts.org is doing a lot to try to educate doctors. And uh, there's another guy called Dr. Clapper that I think has mm -hmm. developed an entire nutrition program to educate, an education program for doctors going through you know, medical school to educate them on nutrition because the medical system doesn't do it. And there was another book that I bought years ago, actually in Santa Monica, and it's in storage somewhere with the rest of my gear because of COVID. But, um, mm -hmm. and I can't think of its name. It's an, it was a book, it was written in the 60s and it was about a doctor, I think in the 30s, mm. who just had this intimate understanding of what you, as you described it, the system of the yeah. human body and he would treat people for things that no other doctor could get to work and he would do these things that, and i remember reading the book it was just fascinating you know mm. for certain things it would just be people would literally be eating a certain type of soup and for long periods but mm -hmm. you know the system the human body would change gears and all of this, these people would be cured and healed of chronic long-term things and other people like it would just be rice and very yeah. simple foods and you know but he just knew exactly what food when and how and for what periods mm -hmm. um and it would change the human body as a system so that it could i'm just simplifying what i read here but you know mm -hmm. it was like we need to save energy here so the body can dedicate effort to this other spot and it was fascinating um, the other thing I want to want to jump back to in your in your childhood and you sort of when you went on that journey because you you talked about things like you know making food with intention and love and care and what was in season mm -hmm. and that's you know forgive me but that sounds like something that an adult experienced chef would say based on a lot of knowledge which <laughs> is exactly what you are but as a child yeah. Like, did you have that or that was just your intuition and that's just kind of what you went with? You know, it's interesting you asked that. Um, my wife asks me that all the time, like, how did you know? 
And, you know, I always say no one does it alone. Um, I remember having a counselor in school that I would literally, I mean, I was just under so much uh, pressure and anxiety and, and, you know, just trying to, to, to finish school if I could while my mom was, was ill, I was doing everything. And I remember like sort of stumbling into her, her office one day and, and uh, she was like, did you have breakfast today? And I was like, no, I've been just too stressed. And, and I remember saying, you know, you have to eat breakfast. It's the most important meal. And it was like little tidbits like that. And I was like, well, that seems like it makes sense. And, um, and then someone else uh, in the neighborhood, w w I remember saying, you know, have you been to the local co-op here? Have you ever been to the co-op that, that's down the street, which was sort of like this earthy, crunchy, natural food store, but um, it just offered so many things that were, that I'd never been exposed to in my um, sort of corner uh, supermarket, if you will, or my chain store. So um, I just kind of went in there one day and started to explore and was curious about, whoop, you there, Rob? Sorry. Um, yeah. So I was just, you know, again, like people planting seeds, um, a counselor saying, you know, try to eat breakfast. And then someone else mentioning, hey, Weaver's Way has only really, you know, healthy foods, check that out. Um, but, you know, there was definitely some sort of intuitive sense in me. I had always loved food and, and wanted to um, experiment in the kitchen and 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 play there so the chef side was always there but then like i said when my mom became ill and the doctor said that thing about stay away from processed foods in my brain i thought well we need to do the opposite and i didn't really know what that looked like but i just knew to like i said check out the local health food store and start really exploring farmers markets and then i came across a neighbor who had a little community garden going and and just sort of um learning from my elders a little bit more about why they were eating the way they were and how can I incorporate that into what I'm doing. Um, but you know, the intention thing also was, was probably a little bit more intuitive. I didn't really quite understand it then. Um, but it was more about, like I said earlier, just how do I keep my mother alive, you know, and, and if I can do that with, um, you know, just sort of almost picturing her sticking around and, and feeding her and making her feel better, you know? So I think some of us are empaths. I definitely, you know, it was many, many years later that I even knew what that meant and, and to connect to that. So uh, I've learned to, to um, embrace that and nurture it. And it's interesting, Rob, you know, you, you touched on it earlier about, your childhood, which blows my mind because you're one of the fittest people I've ever known. And you're just so um, eloquent about the way you carry yourself, your, your, um, what do you call it? Your posture and everything. It, uh, there's nothing about you that would ever suggest that you had a weight issue as a kid. And I wonder if that, you know, these experiences just don't change us and make us sort of go the other way in, in a sense. Yeah. Like, you know, and so um, that's definitely part of, part of what um, 
catapulted me. And, and I talk about it now with, with clients here and there or when I'm doing uh, classes because people think, oh, you're this big chef and you worked with all these people in Hollywood and that's why you can cook. Why are you telling me to cook? And and when I when I try to just share my story a little bit, it brings more of a human element and people realize that, um, you know, I actually never went to cooking school. This is just pure passion and it's driven out of the results that I got when I tried cooking as, as just a technique, as a, um, as a healing modality, like, let's see if this works. And so to see people kind of adhere to that and realize, you know what, this is something I need to pay attention to. Um, that's been, that's just been really uh, remarkable to me to see, you know, to, to watch it unfold. Yeah. And just to put a bow on it, it's like, you know, here, here I am as an adult doing this work. And I look back and I think, gosh, my mother, my mother's experience kind of gave me these gifts. And, um, you know, if you can take with you something from that and, and claim it for yourself and, and realize these are your superpowers for lack of a better word, you know, empathy and, and intuition and being able to sense people's needs, um, and like what you touched on as well with your, with the trainer about different foods for different, you know, experiences or what the body might be going through. Um, not every food is meant, you know, for everyone at the, at that particular time. When I was 20, I ate very differently than I do now at 52. So it's, um, it's intuitive. It's, it's something to be embraced and, it's definitely, I, I say it all the time, cooking is self-love. And I think if people can embrace that, then it's this powerful tool that opens everything else up. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, there's so much in there to unpack as well. And, and thank you for the compliments. And we'll dig into that self-love bit um, in a second. And I, I just want to loop back a little bit to... Um, you know, that intention is so, so important. And, you know, wanting to keep your mother, you know, alive longer is, you know, that's just through you. That intention's there without even thinking about it. And I think in today's world, everyone's got this intention to get something, to manifest something, to, <laughs> shouldn't say everyone, you know, maybe it's a reflection of me, but, um, you know, but some of the, a lot of the programs you see out there aren't manifesting, like get your dreams, get your money, get your this, get your abundance, okay. you know, yet the, a pure intention from the inside out is different from the outside in. And mm -hmm. I remember seeing, a, um, I think it was called Chris Beat Cancer, this guy that, and I, I didn't, watched the full videos and I was watching it just out of curiosity. But I remember one of his first intro videos that was free or something. He said, it really hit me. He just went, you know, welcome. He was blah, blah, blah. Told his backstory. He said, the first step is, do you want to live? And mm. he goes, I don't mean, do you want to be alive? Do you want to live? Like really live. And it was just, just how we articulated it, it was simple but profound. It was about like, is that intention from the depth, you know, like from the deepest part of you out? Yes. Um, and I, I just think it's, it just changes the game, you know. And, and the other thing that you talked about was the, 
our elders. And I love that. I mean, you look at the blue zones and, mm. you know, but these traditions of how and what to eat when from different regions around the world, they'll all be slightly different, but, you know, elders and experience, yeah. <laughs> it's there for a reason. You know, they evolved in that direction for a reason. And there's a mm. lot of lessons there and, and learnings there. But let's, um, anyway, I just kind of wanted to loop back on all of that. And, you know, there's, and the last thing actually about what you said is 100%, like, because I do think a lot about the bullying and it's like, it wasn't great and the food experience wasn't great. And I've got stories of being laughed at, and you know, and as a teenage boy, like being huge and having girls laugh at you, it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Yet, you know, and this is sort of relates back to the life beyond thinking work is, you can find purpose and meaning in all of that and it becomes a tool and a vehicle um, and an opportunity. And that's, you know, one of the key things with life beyond thinking is going back to those experiences, healing them and integrating them and, and being oddly enough, kind of grateful for them, not in, not in a gushing way, but it's like, well, yeah, that's part of me and that's part of my experience and part of what made me today. So all these things kind of do have a role to play if we have the right perspective but um, let's get into the, I don't know, some maybe more tactical, yeah, some tactical things about people, their kitchens, food, mm -hmm. because it's easy to, you know, we can listen to these YouTube videos and, and experts like yourself say, eat what's in season, eat what's right for the body and it's intention and love. But, you know, what does that mean in a practical sense? Because I've... Another story from my past lives, you know, I was a professional yachtsman for a, a number of years and it was only two years, but it was, and it was an amazing experience. But the point of that story in, in relation to this is, you know, we worked our butts off and the boats, you know, these are very large super yachts for the rich and famous. Um, you know, they had professional chefs with the owners and also cooks and you know like sometimes there were three chefs in the kitchen and plus helpers and mm. all their meals were cooked so for two years in my early 20s everything i ate was cooked for me and it's only a short period of time and it was an, it was amazing but the point is for two years i wasn't in a kitchen cooking my own meals you right. know what I mean? and at college I stayed at a residential college for a number of years where we had meals prepared. You know, we had a kitchen and meals were part of the deal. So yeah. you go from growing up as a kid, if you, you know, have a family where things are provided and not all families do, but, you know, for the majority of us in the Western world, we do. Things are mm -hmm. provided. We don't necessarily cook our own food. We go to college. Maybe things are provided for some of us. And then, you know, so... I wasn't until my mid-20s when I was probably really out there doing my own thing in my own apartment um, wherever I was. So the point of that yeah. story is, and that was, you know, back in the day, and I know people now in their 30s who really are lost in the kitchen and don't know what to eat. And I've actually literally had that experience where I think I'm so, you know, out of my mind, out of my body, pulled apart in all these different directions. The kitchen's this space that I don't really understand. And I'm like, what do I want to eat? And I don't even know. And I don't even, 
know how to approach a supermarket apart from what's in a packet. So that's some context of me. And I know people literally in their thirties now that have said to me, I don't know what to eat. And mm. the kitchen is an alien place. So in a very practical sense, you know, where do people start? And I think there's a lot of people out there and especially through COVID people just ordered in. So, you know, like what is step one? Where does someone start? Oh gosh, I love everything. First of all, everything you're saying is so spot on lost in the kitchen. That could be a whole thing in itself. Um, where do people start? I think one of the first places to, to begin, because just, just real quickly, what you said about not necessarily being cooked, uh, uh, being in the kitchen yourself, but having your meals cooked for you, that is, a, it's a very big thing in our culture. Parents want the kids to focus on school. So they look at cooking as utilitarian, you know, I'll do this for you. You focus on the important things, you know what I mean? And, and it's not, it's not a, a bad thing necessarily. It's just that um, I think cooking should be something everyone knows a little bit about. Um, it's it's strange that cooking shows 90% of us, uh, I think it's like a 90 percentile of people that watch cooking shows never cook. So there's something uh, in that. Amazing. Well. It's interesting. It's, it's entertainment. Yeah. It's entertainment it really versus is. education. But but I have to say that if you just start with how do you feel when you eat, no matter where you eat, whether it's takeout, um, you know, going to a restaurant, a cafe, how do you feel after you eat? And can you get in touch with that a little bit? You know, like have dinner the next day, wake up. Are you bloated? Do you have, you know, let's, let's keep it real. You know, BMs, what are they looking like? Um, uh, what are BMs? BMs are bowel movements, you know. Oh. <laughs> okay. I know, that's, yeah. I know I'm kind of going to the complete opposite. No, you got to be, be real. I, I want this to be real and practical. So yes, yes. Yeah. So I'm kind of starting from the end in a sense and and going back. But uh, it's if I think when people, this is what I've come to understand as a food coach is that when my clients can understand how they feel when they eat, that keyword, how do you feel when you eat? Then you begin to uh, recognize if you're not feeling so great, then you wanna change that. Okay, well, how can we change that? What if I told you that if you ate protein for breakfast instead of something with sugar or even skipping breakfast, it might change how you feel, you might have more energy. So then you start to play with things, you know, and let me try that for a week and see how I feel. Let me begin to sort of honor my body. Um, can I just that, jump? Yeah. Sorry, can I just jump in there? And I think that's Please. a super important point. It's about playing with things because I've, you know, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a person that can latch on to certain things and run with it 100% to my own detriment. And, right. you know, I'm, we're learning more about the gut biome. And, you know, for example, like I had a, very anxious childhood you know so mm -hmm. i'm eating like sugar and i'm eating to numb myself and mm -hmm. so and i've cut a lot of that out not now through discipline i can't have sugar but through doing the work on my mind and i'm not craving it i'm not anxious subconsciously mm -hmm. anxious anymore so i just want to there's two things really it's about the awareness and being really honest with yourself about how am i feeling would that be a fair point Absolutely. 
And then the second point would be this concept of play because there's days and periods where my body will kind of be overloaded, but, and I'm not, this is not a suggestion for anyone to do. This is just things that I've noticed in my own body. Like I will almost, my, I just be like, I don't want to eat anything. And the only thing I want to eat are like chocolate brownies. I know that sounds gross, but I'll just have like a few chocolate brownies, but it's almost like a whole reset for my body. And I wake up the next day feeling amazing. And I don't know whether it's because I've taken a huge amount of digestive load off my body or whether it's the sugar from a childhood comforting thing, but yeah. it's maybe my biome's got a better tolerance to sugar. I don't know, but my point is it's about playing with different things and listening to your body. Is that fair? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And is it okay to jump in or did you have another thought? No, totally. Just go for it. Sorry. I, I just want to jump in on really key points now because I think I love it. these I love are it. things that resonate from my experience. It's all. Well, you and I, Rob, we, we could talk for hours about this. Oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I love what you're saying. It's so true. And um, here's the thing. I think that nutritional information is, is almost its own disorder in a sense, you know, like I, I work, work with my clients. It's like, you know, sugar, this big, bad thing, you know, yeah, it, we, we want to limit sugar, but we don't necessarily want to um, be thinking about it so much that, that, you know, we're stressing ourselves out about it. And, and I agree when I'm, when I'm craving a chocolate croissant, I'm going to have one and I'm going to enjoy it. And you know what? I might have to take a nap after for a little while, whatever. And then maybe the <laughs> next day I will probably won't have one for, you know, another week or so. This is about um, striking a balance. And like you said, you know, when you're sort of meditating and preparing your subconscious mind for, for the day ahead, whether it's, you know, waking up and meditating, looking at that, or just being being uh, decisive and, and serious about what you're putting in your body. Um, when you get to that place, there's a balance involved. And I think sometimes people will eat just to sort of taste something. And if it tastes good, then they'll just keep eating it and they don't necessarily connect to how they feel when they eat it. Um, so, so yeah, I love that word play. I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit too. Um, but, but when I say play in the kitchen and sort of that's my role and my goal as a coach is to get people to um, sort of get out of their heads a little bit and get into the flow of what it means to prepare a meal for yourself. And I think when, when people can kind of do that in a physical way, like go to a, an open air farmer's market and, and just have that sensory experience, walk through and smell and see all the colors and, uh, you know, take that back to the kitchen and play. Um, and I keep saying that word because it's so important to me that to take some of the pressure off. And, um, you know, I, I created this program last year during COVID because I thought, like you said, so many people were eating out and getting takeout and everyone's gaining weight because they can't go anywhere. And um, I just said to myself, how can I take what I've done as a chef and, and sort of uh, compartmentalize it a little bit into, into a program and have it be inspiring and supportive? 
those were the two goals that I had. I said, you know, like I'd inspire people. I don't want to weigh them down with too much information. I want to inspire them. Absolutely. And I started, you know, just kind of looking over um, what I did. And, and it's funny you talk about the, those decisions. So the first thing when I created the program was intention and mindset. Um, back to what you said about, do, do you want to live, you know? And, and, and so the intention was just about, you've got to be honest with, with who, who you are and where you are and, and start where you are with what you have. And so anyway, I started playing with like, okay, I what do I do? So much be honest about who you are, where you are and what you have. And sorry to jump in, but again, I want okay. to kind of keep bringing this back down to practical things and, mm -hmm. Because many people don't. So I guess the question is, if I've got, you know, like I'm literally in a place at the moment that's got portable little kind of small electric hot plates, two of them, because I'm traveling, as you know, and it's and I kind of don't have a home with this COVID situation. And that's kind of <clears throat> is what it is. And that's OK. And that's a whole other story. But, you know, like I've got very few implements. I've got a cutting board, you know, one <laughs> pot and one small fry pan based on where I'm at. And these electric hot plates don't work that well. My question is, can people do something with that? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I think minimal ingredients are more, you, you can create just as much flavor with minimal ingredients and absolutely better new nutrient density when you play with just you know you you create maybe you make a little pot of rice for yourself and on the other burner you're sauteing some different um you know vegetables and throwing some things in there and maybe in a little bowl you have a, a little scoop of dijon mustard and a squeeze of lemon or maybe some miso and you make a little sauce for yourself and you keep it simple and clean and there's just so much you can do in a small, I mean, there's this, there's this guy that's on uh, Instagram and I think he calls himself the home away vegan. And by the way, I just want to say that I don't adhere to any specific eating style. I eat everything. Um, and I don't, uh, sort of promote that, but here's a guy who's got a backpack and a little camping stove and he's out there making little dumplings and things like that on his bike. And, um, and I think to myself, wow, he's making these little gourmet meals out of nothing because he's passionate and it's his, his intention. That's like, you know, deciding I'm going to, I'm going to do this. This is important to me. So, um, and I know that's how you think too about food. So a lot can be done with a little. And I remember back in the days the when I chefed. <clears throat> yeah. So can I just jump in on something? Because I think there's a couple of other things there because I keep putting myself in the mind of someone that's scared of their kitchen, doesn't know what to do. And I was definitely in that spot and I'm scared of certain things in the kitchen, but a lot less. Mm -hmm. And even what you described, like how you describe pot of rice on one thing, sauteing some veggies and with some mushrooms and a bit of Dijon mustard with a squeeze of lemon juice. Like on, I'm, at some point in my life, that would have even sounded like, oh, God, it's just too much. You know, yeah. just that too much work because I can pick up the phone and order in some takeaway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Especially yet, day. yet, in reality, it's actually super simple. And so I, I feel this might be an, this was an important point for me 
to realize that it's okay to make mistakes in the kitchen. And it gets back to that concept of chefs being artists without mm -hmm. putting, because I just think there's so much pressure, even just by watching these cooking shows, oh, it looks amazing and everyone says it tastes amazing. And I've cooked so much stuff that I wouldn't want to feed to anyone, but I <laughs> eat it because I know it's nutritionally good. It was mm -hmm. a disaster flavor-wise, but I still eat it. So I guess my point is, is it fair to say it's like it's okay to make mistakes and you should be making mistakes? And I've cooked rice that's been a disaster and I've cooked rice that's turned out good, but the more I do it, the less anxious I am about doing it, if that makes that's, sense. That's exactly it, Rob. Thank you. You said it in a nutshell. The, the, the only way to get better at cooking is to cook and to play and experiment. And, you know, as you taste things, um, you know, if the rice didn't turn out so great, you know, can you add a little bit of salt? Can, do you have a, a jar of tahini perhaps in the, in, in the cabinet and you start playing with things. And so one of the things that I thought about in creating the, the program that I worked on was how do you get someone to stock their pantry so that they have things to play with, you know, yeah. how do you play without, without toys? Right. So, so that's um, what the program does. It takes people through specific elements of the kitchen or specific ingredients, or as you said, the pantry or all of those things. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I, I, you know, um, so I try to just line everything up consecutively. Like where did I start as a chef or even as a cook, even, you know, forget the fact that I was a chef, I, you know, I'm passionate about cooking. Where do you start? You plan. And I will say this, it's always ahead of time, you know, like today, um, say today, Saturday, and you draw out, literally you start thinking about, you know what, next week I'm going to make three entrees for myself and just kind of have them in the fridge or in the freezer. And so you menu plan and it's, it's actually really fun to like look on websites and to get into recipes. And you can always say to yourself, listen, I don't want a big recipe. I just want like maybe five ingredients or less, very simple steps. Let's look them through. So let's, let's create a list. Yeah. Let's like, let's take an example. Sorry to interrupt, but let's do that. Let's take an example of like, I'm starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. Like, do I menu plan? Do I limit it to five ingredients? Like what are the, the big steps that I take? Yeah. So, so the menu planning really is, again, you have to be going back to being honest with yourself. Like, okay, uh, realistically, what is Rob? Is Rob going to make three meals? He might make two with a couple extra servings and have them in the fridge. So, and then you ask yourself, what do I like? You know, I'm an Italian guy, I like pasta. So I'm going to make, maybe I'll make a lasagna, you know, with several servings, you know, just real simple with some veggies and maybe a little ground chicken or something like that. Whatever you decide, you'll look up a recipe and, you know, and say to yourself, okay, this looks good. And it seems doable to me. I'm going to write down the ingredients. I'm going to decide that over the weekend, I'm going to pick up these ingredients Sunday afternoon or whatever it is. I'm going to make a lasagna and I'm also going to make say a soup or something like that, like a nice pot of really healthy, dense veggie soup that I know that come Monday when I'm jamming through work, I'll be able to like warm that soup up and have it, even if I'm sitting at my desk, you know, which I don't always recommend, but you know, you need to take a little break. But if that's where you are, then at least you're getting in that nutrition and you can kind of like just 
just be in all of yourself because you did it yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Soup was a big one for me because it was easy. I could throw it all in there no matter what it yeah. tasted okay. And I knew it was nutritionally good and I could freeze it. So soup was actually probably my biggest starting point and my go-to. And I okay. okay. Yeah. So sorry, That's keep good. going. Yep. So the meal planning, I kind of get the ingredients yeah. Sunday afternoon. I kind of commit to doing it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be your weekend. I know some people are passionate about their weekend. So, you know, it can be a midweek thing, but it's just about making that commitment to say, I'm going to do this. And I always say to people, put on some music, make yourself a cup of tea or a coffee or something and, and get into the kitchen as a workspace, as a creative space and begin to, you know, set these intentions and look at your space as this is, this is beautiful. I'm doing something really great for myself and started, start to sort of change the narrative a little bit as, you know, as opposed to this place of like, Oh, uh, uh, this is the room where I store the dog leash and the keys and, you know, um, that's it. You know, people, people used to love to brag. They'd open their fridge and, and it would just be like bottled water and beer and stuff and, and be like, yeah, yes, yeah, this, this is, I don't cook. And it's like, we, we can't look at that anymore and brag about the fact that we're, you know, not uh, cooking for ourselves. We, we really need to kind of step it up, especially after the past two years we've had. And the reality is that um, folks with you know, um, illnesses or, or, uh, things going on in their bodies, let's say, um, obesity, diabetes, these pre-existing conditions are what was most difficult in relation to COVID. So when we start looking at things like that, you realize, Hey, 77% of illness can be prevented, prevented by what I eat. You know, I can bring my own wow. blood sugar down. I can, yeah you know, eat a little bit more balanced. And so, I mean, we kind of know this, right, Rob? We all know eating uh, home-cooked meals is going to be better for us, but it's always about where to begin. And that's why I'm so passionate about, like, when you set that intention and you say, you know what, I'm going to stock up my kitchen, I'm going to shop, I'm going to create a list. And then I'm when I get that flow going, then the kitchen kind of just sort of begins to almost operate on its own. You know, you've got your, your pantry that you stock with your coconut milk and, you know, some nut butter, some good oils, some good spices. The fridge has, you know, your eggs, your butter, your, your veggies, you know, you, you have those sort of staple things on hand and you get to a place and it, it happens sooner rather than later. And I've seen it with my clients they go from, oh my God, what do I do to, oh, I've got this and this and this. And you almost don't think about it. You boil some rice or you make a little pasta and you throw some veggies in, or sometimes it's just a piece of grilled meat with this really cool little sauce that you threw together and some salad, you know. That's, um, you've just hit on something that, Yeah, it's really, really interesting. It just clicked for me, that concept of flow, because oh. and I've been traveling a lot the last couple of years just because of COVID, which is ironic. I'm one of the few people that traveled through COVID. <laughs> but, I know. Um, it's that flow. That's the bit that I've been missing, and it just clicked. Like, it really just clicked, like, because I would always be doing things, like, so tactically, 
Mm. I never had a system that would enable me to throw things together because I never had that foundation in the kitchen and in my pantry. I didn't have those essential ingredients to combine. It was always literally every two days I'm hustling to find some raw ingredients to mm-hmm. cook. And I'd, I'd just be, I wouldn't even call it cooking. Like mostly it was like basic stuff. Um, but now I get it. It's that flow. And if you have, tell me if this is correct, if you've got a few of those key things like stocked and yes. in your pantry and in your kitchen, all of a sudden you can combine them and make a variety of things pretty quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I missed that. Like, I know that sounds so basic, but I totally, totally missed that. Like, for example, I just, when I walked out this morning to get a coffee, there was a, there's a fruit and veg man that drives around here. Yeah. And sometimes I've got to go to his house to get him and he was just out the front. So I literally just yelled out to him, like, stop and, you know, jump in the back of his van and pulled out a couple of things. And that's kind of how I've been doing it, which is great, but there's oh, not that flow in my kitchen. It's interesting. But, you know, th- what you're doing too, though, Rob, I mean, most uh, the, the fact that you're – it's a very European way of, of doing things, right, to go out every day and pick a few ingredients and come back and make, make a dinner and sort of that walkable – if people have access to that, to just sort of walk out and, and grab a few things, there, there's – there's nothing wrong with the way it, it works for your life. It's just that if you're, if your um, intention or ambition is to, to say, you know what, I'm going to cook a few times a week. And you know what I always say, you cook once, you eat twice or three times because you make a little bit more. And oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's like it. So, so, but if your kitchen is set up and that's what I always say to people, start with the kitchen because these cooking shows, they're, they're fantastic. They're amazing. I love them too but they make it seem so easy and they make it seem like, you know, um, just, just do this big, you know, dramatic thing and you'll be okay. It, it does almost seem sort of unattainable, but when you start with sort of basics and again, where you are and what, what's going to be realistic for you. And it might just be a grilled chicken breast with a little pesto sauce that you make in your little grinder, you know, to throw some basil and some, walnuts or something in there and make a little pesto and throw it over your chicken breast. If that's all you got going on, what, what, what's wrong with that? It's so much better than um, eating something deep fried in oil that you don't know where it came from or, or what have you, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that just, and it's the way you describe it. It sounds great. So, and it does, it sounds beautiful and delicious. And, you know, last night it was, I went out for a pizza at a new place down the road here and, you know, it was great. I'm glad I did it, but you know, like I'm good now. For, you know, like I don't. <laughs> anyway, it was just what I did. But yeah. the thing that I want to tap into next, because I know we're we're starting to hit on an hour, and sure. um, and I know we could talk a lot. And I'll, to be honest, I'd love to get you back on again and deep dive onto some things, um, some really specific things. But what I want to touch on next, if you don't mind, is How do, and, you know, I'm sober, I'm seven and a half years sober, and at this point in time, and so I understand what recovery is like, and for me it's all about the mental game and how that impacts our physical life and, you know, connected to spirituality. But the point of all that is as people change their state 
you know, I go from not knowing my kitchen, not even knowing my body because my awareness is not there. Mm. And then, you know, what we talked about at the beginning, really listening to my body and, and understanding it and even looking at my BMs and, you know, yeah. so I'm sort of building this awareness, I'm building food and flow in the kitchen. What I want to touch on is how do I keep building on my success and what does success look like? Is it important? Is it even important that people have a, a, a goal? I don't even like the word goal with mm. relation to this, but a sense of where they want to be and being comfortable in that new state because we spend so much of our life in a what we think is normal, but it's really a dysfunctional, diseased, you know, that common phrase that's banded around like dis-ease with ourselves. We spend so much of our life in that awkward, uncomfortable, out of our mind, numbing with food and bad behavior state. Yeah. We haven't actually spent much time in a really great flow state where we're in touch with our body. And so when we start to get into that, it actually feels uncomfortable for people. Like, sure. it, And it's easy to revert back to old habits and old numbing, especially if we get triggered or there's an anxious event coming up, you know, and, you know, we go back to a sugar hit to numb mm -hmm. us so we can face that event. So mm -hmm. my question is really around, I guess it's two parts. Is it important that people have a sense of where they want to be before they start? And how do you because quite often we can get some success and revert back in things like this how do people kind of build on that or maintain it does that make sense or do people do you encounter that with clients or is it just absolutely <laughs> absolutely no 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 it's it's oh it's so good and and you know rob if i had one ingredient and i will definitely address both parts of your question but i just want to say this if there's one ingredient that I always tell people to just keep an eye on, it's, it's definitely sugar. And yes, we do use it. We all do it. Um, you know, the fact that earlier you were talking about brownies right away, I thought, gosh, he probably needed some magnesium to, to kind of calm him down, you know, from, from all the, 100%, yeah. the, the stress that you were going through with work and really pounding out work. So, um, I don't like the word goal either. I mean, I like, I like the idea of outcomes, you know, like I, um, when I start working yes. with clients, I'll, I'll just say real quickly that, um, I have a client that I was, I've been working with for the last six months. And one of the first conversations we had, um, she said, Oh, I've been bad. And I said, well, what, what do you, what do you mean by that? And she said, Oh, I, I ate, some, some donuts the other day or whatever, whatever it was, cake or, or, or what have you. And I said, you know what, we have to stop right there because there is no good or bad. There's just balance. And I think if we take away some of the buildup as to why we eat certain things and have these food choices, there's, there's all this um, pressure. And, and I think we need to take some of that pressure off of ourselves. And that's why I'm always going back to well, how did you feel when you did that? Oh, I felt like shit. You know, my joints flared up. Um, this particular client happened to have uh, a, a pre-existing uh, autoimmune disorder. So for her, it meant an actual physical reaction in her body that was very clear. So the goal there or the outcome became um, the more you feel this way, 
the less you want to feel that way. And, and how do we do that? And so then it becomes, can we slow down and think just a tiny bit before we make that food choice? You know, ask yourself, am I eating this because I'm stressed? And if the answer is probably, can I make a cup of tea first and just chill out for a second and get back, like you said, back into that mindset and that sort of, um, place of just knowing that mentally you have that power to, to sort of, um, create that balance in your body or to create that sort of, um, separation between the thought of eating and the actual act of eating. Can I, can I just kind of, uh, crowd out for a second here and drink maybe a glass of water and do a little bit of, uh, you know, damage control ahead of time or what I call prevention rather. Um, so there, there's that. It's like just beginning to look at your, um, you know, what is the outcome? The outcome is to feel better always. And sometimes we think certain food choices are going to make us feel better. And sometimes they do in, in the moment, but then it's short-lived and then we have to deal with the consequences of that. So what I like to do is try to take them to the consequences first and hopefully the next time you do go to make a food choice, you ask yourself, is this donut necessary? You know, I haven't had one in a while. You know what? I'm going to enjoy it. And I probably won't do it again for a few more weeks or what have you. But if you say to yourself, you know, I've been eating donuts every day for the last two months, then maybe it's time to start examining what's going on with you on a deeper level, you know, emotionally and mentally. And I know that's probably a whole other uh, podcast. I, I just, sure. was, you know, trying to get people to, um, to, to just go easy on themselves and be consistent. You know, like you said, uh, how do you build on it? It's going back to, I've made this commitment to, and some people, you know, that I work with, I I'm working with this young lady who is a, a power lifter. I think she's 24 years old out of New York and she is like a little just muscle woman. She's solid and she lifts weights all the time and she struggles with preparing meals for herself. But, um, one of the things I said to her is, is, you know, if you can only get in the kitchen once a week for now, just commit to that once a week. And before you know it, it begins to take shape. And she's starting to feel now because it's pretty new for her. Um, going back to what you said a little earlier, you know, her mom cooked all her meals and she's in a, her mom just be, got involved with her second marriage, decided to move to Miami, buy a house. So this young lady is like, look, I'm 20, I think she's 24 or 25. She's like, I've never cooked for myself and now I have no choice. My mom's gone. What do I do? And, um, when I talked to her about, you know, just setting up her kitchen and, and sort of changing the environment in there and getting, you know, a, a plant and burning some, some like incense and kind of getting in that, that space of like, uh, include this room in the rest of your home and stop avoiding it as this place that you don't know what to do with. Do you know what I mean? So then, um, I apologize for that. That's right. It's a, <laughs> that, uh, sounds like uh, Guinness in the background. <laughs> This is a cat for everyone. Um, I, I apologize. He's, a, he's, a, right. he's very it. passionate about dinner as well. He's very passionate about his food. He's like, <laughs> feed, feed me. Um, 
I love what you said about include like a kitchen is a whole room in your home that so many of us avoid. And yes. um, I love that. But just going back to what you said, I actually really, really love all of that thought of eating versus the act of eating. And I still catch myself in that, you know, like where I'll just, I won't pause enough and play the tape forward. Like in, you hear a lot of stuff in sobriety, they say, just play the tape forward. You know, if you're going to have a drink, play the tape forward. And it's what you talked about, about the outcomes and, you know, what is the outcome? What is the consequence? And, right. you know, even where I am, like I've just been really busy recently and I'm like, I need to grab some food. So I went down the road, you know, like, and I just didn't, and I ate some, they weren't the best choices, but I made them and they were done. So I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but it was yeah. literally that, act of the thought of eating versus the act of eating and putting a little pause in there and mm -hmm. being honest with myself about what do I really want and am I going to wake up tomorrow feeling like I've been hit by a truck because I ate some food that I know is not great for my body and I haven't eaten it for ages. So typically when I do that, I know I wake up feeling a bit off. Um, so I love that. I love kind of that intervention and also the the concept of consistency i mean it's the same as everything through life whether it's physical training obviously mm -hmm. food and even just the small step of one if it was what you're doing with that that power lifter if it's just one day a week or one time a week in the kitchen commit to that and it builds and you were saying she only just started the journey is she starting to get comfortable with it Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting because like you were saying earlier, you know, we get so in our head about it. You know, we hear the ingredients and we're like, oh my God, it's it seems so complicated. Um, but when I started asking her what what she does when she cooks for herself now, what does that look like? And um, she happens to be vegetarian. So she's like, you know, I'll have a few eggs in the morning. And then, you know, when people start discussing what they're doing now and you realize, okay, so you are doing it and you sort of point that out. Like um, you don't realize how much of it you've got covered. We're so in our heads about it. So just trying to elaborate a little bit more. I'm like, okay, that's great. You have the eggs. Um, what can we add to those eggs to kind of bring up some of the nutrient density? And, you know, while you're making those eggs, can you pull something out of the freezer for later on? You know, it's just like to incorporate that idea of, planning a bit because I always tell people don't wait till you're hungry to eat. I know that sounds strange, but you know, we, we do that. You, you touched on it earlier. We get to that place where we're like, Oh my God, I got to eat right now. And so if you know that about yourself, then there, then let's look at snacking and how can we make sure you have nutrient dense snacks around, you know? Um, I don't care if you're going through a jar of almond butter, uh, a week, it's so much better than eating a candy bar that has almonds in it. You know what I mean? Like that, that sort right. of trade. interesting. So it's those sort of trade offs that are an up, not even a trade off, it's just an upgrade of a different upgrade. Exactly. Thing. So also looking at what you're doing, I think it's important. Anyone who has a kitchen and stores anything in their kitchen and goes into their kitchen, you know, even if it's just once a day for whatever they're doing that should be honored and revered. And that's where you build on, you know, we're, we're getting it right somewhere. And 
and you know it builds on itself and it winds up being what we do most of the time will will begin to really matter and so it's it's really an interesting thing when you when you're in it you realize how simple it truly is we just got to get yeah. out of our heads and into the kitchen and and uh and explore that there's a reason you know for many years our ancestors and when we look back on the kitchen was this communal place. We all come together and we, we can bring some of that back, you know, and uh, have cooking parties, get together with people, break up the food and share it and uh, have a good time, you know. Oh, I love that. Maybe we should do an episode on cooking parties as well because there's so many areas I do want to deep dive into. Me and, too. You know, practical things, but the idea, I do love that. And one of the things about the cooking party or even just a shared family dinner and family it doesn't have to be your blood relatives it can be your close friends or even not your close friends but the concept of a sit down conversational dinner one yes. of the other stories from yachts even though our food was prepared and you know we worked our butt off and you know some people might be like oh you've had you know anyway whatever i've made a choice in my life the point of this story is um one of the things that I really missed when I left yachting was we sat down religiously every lunch and every dinner at a set time. The yachts that I were on were very well run, very professional, and there was a very strong schedule. But it was unless you were on watch at 12.30 and at 6 p.m., you were sitting down at the lunch or the dinner table with everyone. And it was all sort of like big dishes, people passing stuff around, everyone helping themselves to what they what they wanted. And I just, we shared stories, we talked about work, we talked about other things. And, you know, and because we were busy, you know, within an hour or whatever, it was absolutely done and the table was cleaned um, and everyone helped clean up. But it was just that ritual and that act of coming together. It was such a powerful thing and I just feel that in today's world is such an important thing that has been lost everyone's busy with their work everyone's addicted to social media and tech and other things and that's how they're finding their connection but we're not having real conversations and podcasts are obviously a great you know a vehicle to try to get that out there but i actually think we should do an episode dedicated to that because i think it's really really important because in today's world, there's echo chambers, and it's something else that you know that I'm very passionate about. There's echo chambers of people living in their echo chamber or throwing rocks at other echo chambers, and there's yeah. very little dialogue and conversation and real connection and seeing yeah. things from someone else's point of view, and I think the dinner table is a great opportunity for that. Oh, God, Rob, thank you so much for sharing that. Family meal, right? I'm working in restaurants. Totally. Such a beautiful, I, I remember that too. Thank you for, for I, it's so interesting because I, I often tell people, if you get the opportunity to work in a restaurant, do it, you know? I mean, food is so, um, it's an art form. It's exciting. I don't care if you do it once a week, if you wait tables, if you work at the bar. Um, that's that's where I got a lot of my exposure to food as well is, is working in restaurants. And gosh, being on yachts, that must have been, just extraordinary to just do that work it was it was a special time um but look let's wrap this up if that's okay um yeah, 
where do people and and I'll put this in the show notes to also do um, an intro. But where do people find you? Where do people find you on Instagram or social media, other social media, or this program? Okay, yeah. So my website is wellrestored.com, and my Instagram handle is also well uh, underscore restored. And um, yeah, there's links to everything I do and the program. Hello Kitchen, have we met? Is, is also on there. And um, Hello Kitchen, if we met, I love that. So wellrestored.com yeah. and on Instagram at well underscore, underscore restored. Yeah. Great. And yeah, sorry, um, I interrupted you. The, the program Hello Kitchen, have we met is on your website? Oh, yeah. You, there's a link on Instagram as well as my website to Hello Kitchen, have we met? And folks can go on there and kind of look at a little preview and, and check it out. You see all the, the program, the courses and different things that uh, the different title of each each part. Um, and uh, it's pretty it's 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 fun. It's it's a really fun, inspiring and supportive way to get folks back into the kitchen, get a little grounded. So um, in that and uh, yeah. Absolutely love it. Cece, Cece, the rapper, the artist, the chef to the stars, the health food chef and the food coach. Thank you so much. I've loved our chat as always. Um, love you so much. Really appreciate your time and all your experience. And we will have you back on for sure. And if anyone's listening and they want specific topics covered, maybe drop a note and I can see if CC will cover it. But I definitely want to get you back on to dive into some Probably more tactical details in the kitchen. I know I skipped over that probably a, a bit too much, but uh, I love the idea of this family meal. I think it's a, a really cool thing, and maybe we can do an episode talking about that. Oh, my God. That lights me up so much. Rob, I have to tell you, this this was uh, an absolute pleasure to chat with you. You're one of my favorite people, so inspiring, and just know how to really – uh, ask questions and get the ball rolling. And I'm, I'm happy we ran out of time because we were just so excited about talking about all these topics. And that's just a testament to, uh, to you pulling it out. And thank you for making this happen, you know, so appreciate it. Thanks, EC. Take care. And uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, everyone. You Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. Thank you for the time listening to that. Um, I know I really loved it. CC's definitely going to come back. We're going to deep dive onto some really, really practical things in the kitchen. And we're also going to talk about some ideas we've got, um, I guess, for family dinner and getting those groups together. I think it's just such an important topic. But three of the big takeaways for me, I mean, there was, I've got a long list here, but I just pulled three out. And, you know, number one is the outcome is to feel better always. And then it gets down into how do you feel when you eat? like really getting back into our body and then how asking the question, how can we change that? So if the goal is always to feel better or is to feel better always incrementally bit by bit, we've got to pause and ask ourselves, how do we feel when we eat? How do we feel after we eat? And how can we change that? So that's the first big one. Um, and I think taking the pressure off is such an important thing. I used to put so much pressure on myself to do everything perfectly in a lot of areas of my life but especially in a place that was alien to me, like the kitchen. And so just, so I think just taking the pressure off and having fun in the kitchen. You're going to cook bad meals. They'll be nutritionally good. Eat them, but they're probably going to taste bad. So what? 
just play with it and have fun. And then um, the other thing that just really stuck out for me is what she said about nutritional information is its own disorder. And I just think that is so true. And we have to be so discerning with the information that we receive in all areas of life, particularly in today's world, but even especially around, I mean, for me, nutrition and food, as you heard, is such a big part of my life and a big issue, particularly from a young age. Um, we have to really discern the information we receive, um, really evaluate it and understand, you know, is it good, is it right, is it wrong, and really listen to our own body and decide for ourselves. So, you know, this nutritional information overload where we just get so obsessed at this being good and that being bad and it's good again, and that whole merry-go-round, that circus, it just kind of can mess us up in our own mind and our own body and we lose trust in ourselves. And I think that's a really important point. So as promised, Cece has given us a, um, given all of you an amazing discount to her course, which is called Hello Kitchen, Have We Met? I'll put the link to the website in the show notes, but her website is wellrestored.com. And this is not a paid affiliation with Life Beyond Thinking or me. I've known CC for years. Um, we are good friends. I've eaten her food for a long time and it's amazing. And she is amazing and she is the real deal. So if you do want to get into your kitchen, take away those fears, highly recommend this course. Again, I get nothing from it. Life Beyond Thinking gets nothing from it. But she has generously given us a discount code of 50% off. So if you go to her site, wellrestored.com, you will see a course called Hello Kitchen, Have We Met? And the discount code is LBT50, all capitals, capital L, capital B, capital T, 50. And that will give you 50% off until the 30th of June this year, 2022. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Would love any feedback as always. And uh, I'm just playing with an outro tune. So there's about a minute or two of mellow music to come if you just want to leave this play. And thanks again. Have a great day and look forward to uh, you joining again soon.
Thank you.